what's better than two professionals talking Flyers hockey? Two amateurs. This is Getting Bullied, a Flyers hockey podcast. Now put the kids to bed and crank it up. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Podcast partner of phillyisflyer.com. This is Getting Bullied. I am Mark Janone. And of course, with me as always, from Philly is Flyer, Dan Silver. Dan, how are you, my friend? Congratulations again. Thanks, man. You just got back from uh, Santorini, Greece. Had an uh, awesome time with the family and uh, my, I guess, my official life partner at this point. It was, uh, it was great. Yeah, no, we had a great time. It was, uh, man, it was Santorini. If, if anyone has not been there, uh, definitely, definitely check it out. It's one of those beautiful places I've ever been to. Yeah, the pictures looked great. You guys looked great. So it looked like an awesome time. Wish, I'm sure we all wish we could have been there and not home. <laughs> Dealing with the Flyers and the bullshit that they once again bestow upon us. Um, Dan, what I've realized already in this short season, it's only been six games so far, but this is the exact same team that the Flyers have put on the ice for like really the last five years, they have all the same problems that they've had in the last five years. Nothing has changed. Now that JVR is injured, the big free agent acquisition of the off season. Now that he's been injured, you look at the roster from top to bottom and it is the same players that they've had last year. You know, some minor tweaks, some minor adjustments as far as, you know, some guys on defense, Obviously, Philip is not here, Manning, guys like that, but it doesn't matter. Those guys are gone, and this the problems that the Flyers are having on the ice are oh too familiar to the fans right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 not the exact same players. I think it's very close to the same team. I think what you're getting at is it's basically it's the same problems that we see from this team every year. It's the same inconsistencies. It's like you go out there one game and you lose one to nothing to Vegas. And then the next game, you know, you play great defense, you lose because Mark Andre Fleury stands on his head. And then the next game, you know, you break down in the defensive zone. Brian Elliott can't stop a beach ball. You somehow win in a shootout, which I guess is sort of different than years past, but it's, it's basically, it's the same feeling you get when you're watching this Flyers team that you have gotten in the last number of years, and it's just, it's infuriating. I mean, it, you know, the defensive breakdowns, the the, uh, the terrible penalty killing, the inconsistency of the players from game to game. It's, uh, you know, I guess it's it's what being a Flyers fan is is being all about. I guess. Yeah, I mean, the problem with that is is that it's become too familiar, and it, it, it's my patience is all but run out, and I'm tired of every game going to watch this team, getting frustrated, seeing the same problems game in and game out. You, need, you never know which team they're going to put on the ice from game to game. I was down there on Saturday on a whim, me and a couple of buddies who went and bought tickets, went down there Saturday against Vegas. All in all, it was a good game. I mean, it was nothing-nothing until a minute 34 left in the third period, and then your heart just ripped out of your chest. And Marc-Andre Fleury turns the clock back like five years back to when he was, you know, winning Stanley Cups with Pittsburgh, and they couldn't get anything by him. Then you go to a couple days later, last night, all they could do was score, but they're breaking down defensively left and right. They had a 5-2 lead, and Florida, one of the worst teams in the league, winless going into that game, tied it in the third period after... Dave Haxtell had to pull his goalie while they were still ahead. And the backup comes in, lets in the goal. We go to a shootout. And it should have never gotten to that point. And I'm tired of, you know, I understand the Flyers' Twitter account is not the end-all, be-all. That's not really the the mouthpiece of the team. But don't sit there and and, and act like I'm supposed to be excited about a a game in which you had a three-goal lead, a game that you scored five goals in one period and had a three-goal lead, and you end up winning in a shootout. 
That's not that that doesn't excite me. If anything, like, it pisses me off. I went to bed last night with so much aggravation because the Flyers played like shit. I flipped the channel to the Sixers. They played like shit, and I I couldn't win last night. And I I was so aggravated going to sleep. And then I wake up, and then I see on their Twitter again a wild victory. A wild? That's what you want to call wild? Disappointing is what it is. There's nothing right now to get excited about this team about. Every game you go into watching, you have so much anxiety because you know that even if even if they put up five goals in one period, there's always that little shred in the back of your mind that's saying, they could blow this because we've seen them do it last year. They're already starting to do it this year, and I've had enough with watching this bullshit from this team game in and game out. Imagine being, uh, what, like 12 years older than you, like I am, and having to have seen this bullshit for even longer than right. you have. I mean, it's, it's, awful. it's funny. You, you talk about teams basically that have identities, and, you know, you look around the, the league, and, you know, Vegas's identity is, at least last year, was their, their speed and their goaltending. Um, you know, you look at a team like Nashville, they got this great defense, uh, you know. <laughs> Toronto this year is just explosive offense. Um, they're getting some defensive contributions. It seems like over the years, the Flyers' identity is inconsistency, mm-hmm. which is is all that we've seen from this team. And, you know, not to kind of pile on about what's been going on this year, but you look at the standings in terms of strength of schedule, and this is based on some, some hockey reference stats, but the Flyers have played one of the easiest schedules uh in the league so far um so that's certainly not a uh you know they basically they've they've had the uh fourth easiest schedule so far in terms of of the teams that they're playing against and they're uh you know they've, they've got two regulation wins in six games uh huge blown lead they they got here's another thing you've got your home opener you know everyone's excited about this team You've got a San Jose Sharks team that, that comes in off of a loss, and, and you've got to expect that they're going to come out flying. And you come out and you get blown out of your own building in your home opener, 8-2 to two by the San Jose Sharks. It's like, how embarrassing is that? Um, I, there's Look, this, this team, and we'll get into it, I mean, there's enough talent there. There's a ton of talent that you're still expecting this to be a playoff team, but we always talk about before the season that late in the year when you're in these playoff battles that getting points early on is going to make a big difference. And, you know, look at a team like the New Jersey Devils. They're 4-0. They look phenomenal right now. They did the same thing last year. And then they struggled down the stretch. But it was those points that they got early on which helped them late in the season. So, you know, it's uh, hopefully they'll be able to right the ship and some of these injured players players will come back and Brian Elliott will somehow round into form and stop being a dumpster fire in net. But uh, there's, there's many more question marks than answers, which seems to be what we're used to as Flyers fans. You know, I'm looking at the stats here for the team, the leaders, and it's the usual suspects. It's Drew, it's Boracek, it's Simmons, and that's great because you need those guys to be at the top of their game if this team's going to be competitive. But what I'm not seeing, uh, the person I'm not seeing here on the goal sheet is, you know, Travis Konechny's not there. From, you know, obviously Van Van Riemsdyk's hurt. Patrick has been hurt, but he didn't score in the games he played. Provorov doesn't have a goal yet. I mean, these are all guys that you're leaning heavily on. And right now they're not doing anything. And I feel like we saw the same thing last year from Travis Konechny. He just sticks out in my mind. I think he's a great player. I love his game. But last year he started out slow just like this. He struggled at times last year. We went long stretches where you barely heard from him. And... He, it's the same thing to start the season this year. And before Patrick got hurt, same thing from him. Wasn't generating enough of offense that this team needs. Right now, these two, those two players in particular are that first like tier underneath the top tier of talent on this team. The top tier, as far as I see it, as far as forwards go, is, like I said, the usual suspects. Drew, Voracek, Simmons. You could throw Couturier in there if you want to. Those are the most important guys. The next tier under that is headweighed by Konechny, 
and Patrick. And neither of I mean, Patrick's hurt. He should be back soon, all the reports that I'm seeing. But before he was gone, he he wasn't doing enough. He needs to do more. Konechny needs to do more. And when and then you, when you have Van Riemsdyk come back, I think by now it's probably like another four or five weeks, whatever it may be, you're going to have to allot him some time to get back in the swing of things after his injury. So who knows how he's going to come back. And the way that this medical staff is handling, handling the team right now, Andrew McDonald said in an interview, I think it was today at practice, that he needed to be scratched from last night's game. It was scheduled because he might have come back too soon from his injury. Okay, look, nobody has any faith in Andrew McDonald whatsoever, but the Flyers, Dave Haxtell, play him like he's a top-end defenseman in the league. So, if you're going to use him as much as they like to, he can't be injured. He has to be as close to 100% as possible, and he's coming from his mouth saying that he wasn't. So who knows what's going to happen with JVR? Apparently, the Flyers like to just say, like to believe their players when they say, yeah, I'm good, I can play, even though they know they can't. So who knows? Maybe they do the same thing with JVR. If he comes back and he's not 100% and he's playing like shit and he's hurting the team, then that's just another player out there that's not doing enough, that's not carrying his own weight. Yeah, we saw it last year with Wayne Simmons, where he got injured early right. in the season, and instead of getting him the surgery he needed early in the season so he could be close to full strength later on, they just basically let him play through injuries the entire season, which sapped him of almost all of his uh, offensive ability and the things that he brings to the table, and he was completely ineffective for most of the season. And then finally, the season's over, and he gets the, and he gets the surgeries done, and he basically he comes out and says, you know, look, I'm a warrior. If I can get out there and play, I'm going to play. That's great. Those are the kinds of guys I want on my team. But you need to couple that with a coaching and medical staff that is willing to take these guys out of the lineup, force them out of the lineup, force them to do whatever is needed medically to make sure that they are healthy down the stretch and for the playoffs, or else you might not make the playoffs. And and that's already come up with a couple guys this year. Right? I mean, you can just visualize what was going on with Andrew McDonald in training camp. I mean, he was out. They said he was going to be out four to six weeks, which was going to take him about uh, a week or two into the regular season before he came back. And then he's sitting on the sidelines and he's watching Phil Myers have a very good preseason. And you could just see the wheels turning in Andrew McDonald's head. I better get back or else Phil Myers is going to take my job and he might not give it back. So McDonald comes back. He looks, he looked dreadful in the preseason and he's been a, I mean, look, Andrew McDonald is, is not a very good NHL defenseman. He gets ragged on probably unnecessarily because he makes $5 million a year. And last year was probably the best year that he had with the Flyers. But this year he has been horrible. I mean, he's been basically a bad AHL defenseman costing this team whenever he's on the ice. It's basically like the Flyers are shorthanded when he's out there. And finally he comes out of the lineup. Uh, he's not going to play against Columbus either. Hopefully they'll keep him out. Thankfully, Christian Follin, who who looked terrible in his first game, uh, you know, played very well. He was, I think he was like a plus four or something against, uh, against the Panthers. And he started one of the goals with a really nice flip pass to Scott Lawton who's been one of the bright spots on the Flyers this year. But, uh, but yeah, so McDonald is finally they're taking him out. But, but you're right. I mean, you look at guys like Nolan Patrick, JVR, these guys are going to come back, and hopefully there's nothing wrong with them. I mean, look, you, you'll get, we'll talk about Ivan Provorov a little bit later on, but he's played in six games. He's got zero points. He's a minus five. He's fumbled the puck all the time. He's probably not injured, but – you just wonder, right? I mean, he had that shoulder injury in, against the Penguins, and all reports were that he's 100% now, but I don't know. You watch him plays. That's not Ivan Provorov we all know and love, so who knows if there's something going on with him. But the And Sean Couturier, he's only he's got two goals in six games, no assists, coming off that great year last year, and he had those that knee injury in the offseason. The Flyers are like, oh, no, he's fine. Then in the preseason, he sits out a couple games, so clearly he wasn't fine. But now he's back, and he doesn't look like the Sean Couturier from last year to me. So there's, you know, you're, I've said multiple times on our show, I have no confidence in this team's medical staff to do the right thing. And, um, you know, it uh, it just, 
I don't know. We'll see how this year unfurls, but hopefully they do what they can to get these guys healthy. Yeah, I mean, you can't let the inmates run the asylum from that aspect because a professional athlete, anybody that, you know, is worth anything is going to want to play through every injury that they have. We saw, and that, that you know, that's all cross sports. And those are the guys that you want on your team. Like you said, and you bring up Ivan Provorov and we have, we have a question on Twitter that I, I love. I want to get to it right off the bat. Uh, drunk drawer at junk drawer. Pat says, can the flyers continue to be competitive? If the production they keep getting from Ivan Provorov, both offensively and defensively. Um, no, they can't because Coming into this season, we expected Ivan Provorov to be a Norris Trophy candidate, and, and all signs, every from what he did last season, all signs pointed to that, you know, being a very likely occurrence when it comes to Ivan Provorov. And like you said, he has been a shell of himself so far this season. And I completely forgot about the shoulder injury against the Penguins in the playoffs. And it, it would it would make sense that this guy that we perceive to be you know, uh, Iron Iron Man-esque and, you know, a, a machine would have an injury and try to play through it, and maybe that's the case here. You put out his numbers, no points, minus five. Shane Gossespair, his line mate, also a minus five, and you have to believe that if Ivan Provorov isn't playing to his full potential, if he's hurt, if he, for whatever reason is that he's not playing well, that's going to then rub off on Shane Gossespierre. They are a unit. They are a team. And if one's playing bad, it affects the other. I've, I don't know what is wrong with Ivan Provorov, but he is not the guy that we know he can be. Is it an injury? I mean, what else could you point to? You don't expect a guy... You, the drop-off goes from rookie year to sophomore year in, in the league. It, it's not likely to see sophomore year to third year, junior year, whatever the hell you want to say, that there's a drop-off. And he is, like it's like he's out there, but he's not out there. He's just, he's getting beat to pucks, he's having bad turnovers, he's not playing well defensively. It's just, teams are having their way with him right now, and you can't have that. He's supposed to be your workhorse defenseman. He's supposed to be the guy you turn to when the game's on the line. When you need a stop, if you're up by a goal, you need to roll him and Ghost out there, and they have to shut down the top line on the other team. They have to do that, and they're not doing that so far this year. So no Pat at Drunk Drawer Pat. The Flyers cannot be competitive if Ivan Provorov is going to continue playing the way he is on both sides of the puck because he is the linchpin to all this. If he plays like shit, then, he, then how do you expect to rely on the other defensemen besides Gossespierre because we know what he could do, but the guys on that second and third line of defensemen, how can we expect anything big from them if the top guy on the team is playing as poorly as Provorov is? Yeah, so Provorov right now is, I mean, he's far and away leading the team at ice time. He's averaging 25 minutes and six seconds per game. Couturier second at 22 minutes. Gosses bears the, the second defenseman at 21 minutes and 18 seconds. So Ivan is uh, still playing far and away more than anyone else. And I, I totally agree with you in answering uh, the question from Patrick. You know, the, the Flyers, can they make the playoffs if Ivan Provorov isn't Ivan Provorov that, that we've come to know? Uh, probably not. I mean, he's you've got a guy who's playing half the game and – Again, at this point, you know, I was uh, out of the country, so I didn't get to see some of the first few games. The, the the game I saw with the Vegas game, and, you know, he he looked like he was skating fine, and he was trying to jump up into the play. It, it almost looks like he's trying too hard to a certain extent. Here's something I'll say, and let's let's assume that he's not injured. And this goes to a tweet that I put out there a couple days ago and something that I've really been concerned about is that I have yet to see anything that tells me that Dave Haxtall and his coaching staff are any good at developing young players. I, it seems to me that the progress, any progress that we see from the young players, and I'm talking about Provorov, Konechny, Sandheim, Nolan Patrick, Robert Haig, that that progress is a product of those players' inherent skills just sort of getting better and getting more comfortable at the NHL level. I have not seen a lot of, of coaching 
to me that has made these guys better. And right now, it to me, it looks like Ivan Provorov needs coaching. He kind of needs someone to sit him down and say to him, hey, you know what? You need to uh, stop trying so hard. You need to relax a little bit. You need to let the, you know, let the game come to you. Whatever it is, look, I'm not a Mike Babcock or something or a Scotty Bowman, one of these guys that's it's you know great with youngsters. Um, but it, it doesn't look to me like like these guys are getting the coaching that they need. Look, they might be. Maybe behind closed doors, they're getting lots of great feedback from Dave Hackstall and his coaching staff. But uh, but to me at this point, I haven't seen the progress out of the young kids that I would like to. Ivan Provorov is one of the most talented players in the NHL. And I think that his progress is only based on that talent, is not based on on anything that the coaches are doing. So I think that he, at this point in his career, he's still pretty young. What is he, twenty one or twenty two years old? Like he he just needs needs someone to sit him down and, and talk to him, and and I'm sure he'll work his way out of it, assuming he's not injured. But that's one of the concerns I have when I see these young kids go through struggles. Is I have zero confidence in this coaching staff to. Uh, to help them out and right the ship. And for guys like Konechny and Sanheim, you know, I feel like Konechny's a guy who just doesn't really give a shit. He's just going to do what he wants to do. And mm-hmm. he'll learn defensive responsibility. And, and maybe some of, you know, Hackstall benching him last year and, and sitting him down, maybe that helps instill the defensive responsibility. There. But I think Konechny's going to get to the – I think he's going to get to a ceiling no matter who his coach is because he's so talented. But a guy like Travis Sanheim, someone who I, you know, I, I – would really want to see developed under a terrific head coach. And I just don't think that Dave Hextall is that. So that's, that's my concern. I look at Provorov. Yeah, he's got to be better. I'm just, and he will get better, but I think it would be expedited if, if we had a good head coach. Yeah. I mean, we, we've talked about the coaching staff so many times, you know, over the summer last year, um, I mean, neither one of us like it. Neither one of us really have much confidence in it. And I, when I read that tweet, it kind of really dawned on me that it made a lot of sense. I mean, we don't know too much about Dave Haxtell. I mean, this is his first job in the NHL, and he was a head coach for North Dakota in the NCAA. North Dakota is a pretty prominent ice hockey program as far as college goes. But, you know, so you had... So you would expect that a guy that came from college that's used to teaching and coaching young kids the game in the game of hockey, you would expect that these guys would be progressing at a much rapider pace than they are. And Travis Konechny is the one that sticks out in my mind the most. I mean, this is his third season in the NHL. Same with Ivan Provorov. And I feel like we're still, with Travis Konechny, we're still waiting, like we're still treating him as if He's this young, you know, he's this inexperienced, you know, piece of clay almost that still needs to be molded. Like, third year in the league, okay, your rookie season, you know, you're still trying to figure it out. You expect growing pains. The second year, it's your first full season where you're, you know, you're still, you know, kind of getting your routine down, getting a feel for the game. But the third, you know, once you, after you go through your first two full seasons, going into your third season as a professional, you should have everything down pat. You should know what you need to do. You should just have, you know, you should have a, a very good grasp of how the game is played at this level. And I feel like with Travis connecting and I'm, I'm just watching it over these first six games, it's like we're still waiting for him to kind of get it. And he has this, you know, he has another slow start this year. It's like he's out there, but he's not as big a factor as the Flyers need him to be. And as big a factor as we've seen him be in spurts, in his first two seasons. And I, I expected so much more from Travis Konechny. I said during the offseason, the Flyers' success is going to be is going to weigh heavily on Travis Konechny and Nolan Patrick. And you expected big things out of Patrick. Finally, a full, healthy offseason. And he came out in the first games that he played. And again, it looked like he still needed a lot of work. And I look at this coaching staff and I look at these guys and you bring up Travis Sanheim. I haven't seen really anything of Travis Sanheim to say that he is a difference-making defenseman like a lot of us thought he would be watching him in juniors, watching him in the AHL. You know, he it's like he's it's like he's a different player. It's almost like when they get up here, these guys that are, are flashing so much skill at the lower levels, they get here and for whatever reason they get to this coaching staff and it's like that the way they're teaching them is 
they're not letting them just be their own type of player. They're not letting them flash their skill. They're not letting them just go out there and play the game the way they know how. It's so I feel like that the Flyers organization right now, like their coaching staff is with the system that they want to play, it's 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 like prison almost. Like, no, you're gonna do it this way, no other way, and we're gonna live and die by playing this style of hockey. And it's not working for them. And the the players look like guys like Giroux, Voracek, Simmons, they've been in the league long enough. They know what they need to do, and they're gonna produce year in and year out. But Konechny, Patrick, Sanheim, you mentioned, and now Provorov, you got to throw his name in that list too. These are guys that, how much is it coaching? How much is it them just, you know, trying to do too much? I don't know. But one thing I'm thinking about with Ivan Provorov, and you mentioned it with that, um, how Haxtell benched Konechny, and we've seen him bench Gossespair in the past for his lack of play. I wonder if it ever gets that extreme with Ivan Provorov to where, and I don't have any faith that Dave Haxall will do this, even send a message to the team, because sometimes you need that. Sometimes you need to make an example out of your top players. And if he's playing as poorly as he is, I mean, why not? Put him up in the press box for a game or two. Let him watch the game. Let him just relax. Let him take a couple of steps back, because right now all he's doing is hurting the team. And I know that's 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 insane to some people. Some people are going to say that's ridiculous. You can't bench Ivan Provorov. Well, well, look, Ivan Provorov. Yes, he's a very talented player. He's a, he's one of the best. He's one of the most talented defensemen in the NHL. But he is by no means in the Hall of Fame yet. He's not fast tracked to the Hall of Fame because he had two good seasons so far in the league. He is not above the bench as far as I'm concerned. And if he's playing this bad, maybe the press box is what he needs to, you know, just reset his mind and come back and play the game that we know he can play. Yeah, I mean, I like I don't think they're they're ever going to scratch him when he's healthy. Um you know, he's a guy who remember last year, what was the last year of the year before we had that horrible game against the Blackhawks where he was like a minus four. Uh, and then he came right back and he had a phenomenal game right after that. Um, you know, I think he, he means too much to this team and he's, he's proven in the past that he can get his game back without being scratched. And I think at this point you almost like view him as one of the veterans on the team. So I don't even know what that would do in terms of helping him. And also I kind of like the fact that he has not missed a game in his entire NHL career, you know, he's such a warrior. So I, I don't think that he's the kind of guy that they would scratch. Uh, it's, it's you make a great point about when you watch a guy like Travis Sanheim and you saw what he did in juniors and, and what he did with the Phantoms. You know, I think because of this, the coaching staff's um, conservative manner of letting these young kids take the reins off, I think it's going to be a while before we see Sanheim really hit his his offensive potential in the NHL. That being said, it does seem like guys like uh, Gostas Bear and Provorov have free reign to do whatever they want. You know who else this year has jumped up into the play a lot is Robert Haig. I mean, he scored mm -hmm. a couple of goals and they've come from jumping in on the offense. So maybe it just uh, is a natural progression for some of these guys. But yeah, I mean, it's, um, I don't know. You know, I guess there are some, there's a couple guys I feel like that we should talk about in a in a positive light. Guys who are playing better than some of us expected. You know, one guy who I multiple times in the offseason I kept telling people that I still thought he had untapped offensive potential. Scott Law, and I love seeing what he's done this year because he's already got three goals in six games. He's made a number of really good plays. He's playing up and down the lineup. Uh, he's playing center. He's playing wing. They just moved him back to center. Um, you know, towards the end of last game, and they move Robiev to the fourth line on the wing. But but what Scott Lawton is doing, and keep in mind, folks, he's only he's still only 24 years old. I mean, he's younger than Shane Gostisbehere. He's two year younger, two years younger than Sean Couturier. So Scott Lawton, we could be seeing kind of like a, a a true offensive breakout from him. Look, he's never going to be like a top six 60 point scorer, but uh, but Lawton is certainly a guy who who could score 
20 goals and, and 35 points. I mean, last year he had 10 goals and 10 assists for 20 points. I think he's a guy who could almost double his production. So I think there's a, there's a, there's a bright spot right there. Scott Lawn. it took him a while to kind of figure it out in the NHL. A lot of it because the Flyers uh, weren't very helpful with him. You know, he first came up and they were looking at him to maybe provide some offensive spark. And then ultimately a couple years, later he goes back down to the phantoms and they wanted to learn how to become a checking line center and then last year they moved him from center to wing and they've just been screwing around with him a lot but it, it looks like lawton has finally kind of got the confidence and, and got some of his offensive swagger in his game and then also wayne simmons it's really been good to see wayne simmons come off of those injuries and he's leading the flyers in goals with five goals in six games he looks like a guy who's uh who's healthy finally. And that's a, that's a great sign. I mean, that contract situation with him is going to be really interesting, but it's great to see him healthy and playing. And then the other guy, the defenseman who's probably been their best defenseman this year is Radko Gudis. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy's got five assists in five games, but more importantly, he's been very solid defensively. And disciplined. So, yes. And disciplined. He hasn't tried to execute anyone <laughs> um, a la Ned Stark so far this year. So hopefully that continues. And, that's that's really important because the defense has been such a a uh, cluster to this point that Gudis brings some consistency and he's playing 18 minutes a game is uh, is nice to see. So I think Gudis, Lawton, and uh, Simmons have been three bright spots, and even guys like uh, you know I mean I'm a big Raffle fan, but he's he's been good. And even guys like Dale Weiss has been good in the lineup, and Yuri Laterra hasn't been horrible. So. You know, this look, this, this team's problems right now, they're not scoring related. This team's problems are, are team defense and goaltending. And I don't know what you can do about the goaltending. You just kind of have to hope that Elliot rounds back into form because today, Dave Haxtell came out and basically said, look, he's our number one goalie. Brian Elliott will be playing most of the games for us. And so I think they just have some blind faith that this guy's going to round into form after the injuries. To me, that's still one of the biggest question marks because he was horrible against the Panthers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, we, we've we we've beat the dead horse on goaltending so many times, but just to backtrack to what you said, the guys that have impressed, you know, Lawton, I, I, you know, I forget how young he actually is. And when you mention that, it's like I feel like he's been around 10 years with all the, you know, the different angles they've tried to approach with Scott Lawton. So it's good. I mean, and that's what kind of, that's what sucks so much more about the other guys that aren't kind of living up to their potential and doing as much as they can, because right now Scott Lawton is like one of the top players on this team when he's really supposed to be a role player. So if guys like Konechny and if Pat, when Patrick gets back, if those guys can start playing the way that we expect them to play, then it's just an added bonus for Scott Lawton to do what he's doing. And a guy like, Wayne Simmons, I was actually, I was nervous about Wayne Simmons going into this season, coming off of those injuries. You know, I didn't know if, you know, obviously the injuries played such a big role last season. You you don't know how a guy's going to bounce back from something like that, having so many things wrong with him during the course of a season and playing through it, getting everything fixed and rested up in such a short period of time over the offseason. I didn't know how he was going to bounce back and whether he was going to be the same player. Clearly he is to this point so far. I have no reason to believe that he's going to slow down at any point and, you know, and not be the player that he, that we've know him to become. Um, and I agree the, the contract situation with him is, it, it's good. It's, that's crazy because you look at the guys that are available, that are going to be free agents at the end of the season. And you look at the flyers needs as a team. And then it gets to the point where you're like, okay, how much do we value Wayne Simmons? And I don't want to make this a Wayne Simmons contract thing because we've done it so many times, and I'm sure down the road we're going to get into it even more. But what's going to be interesting there is a guy like Wayne Simmons has so much wear and tear on his body because of the way that he plays. Can you invest in him long term? I don't know. Right now, just you know, let him just do what he's doing, and hopefully, you know, hopefully he doesn't slow down. I don't expect him to at any point. But, I mean... You mentioned the Flyers are their scoring is not their problem. I mean, right now, their goal differential is minus three. I think that this team is inconsistent with their scoring. 
Because you see, like I said, you see games like last night, they put up five against, um, a, a, you know, a, albeit a bad Florida team, and then they get shut out against Vegas, a team that in the first game of the season, they blew out and played great against. But that goes into the same thing. They played great against Vegas opening night, put up a bunch of goals. Well, they put up, I think, like five, six goals in that game too, and then come out against Colorado and put up two. So, the, you know, the goal differential is going to be skewed to a certain extent because they've put up crooked numbers. They obviously had eight hung on them by uh, San Jose. But I would like, I just want to see them – and. So much of it is defense, you're right. So much of it is goaltending. There's not much you could do with goaltending at this point. The defense just has to get better in front of the goaltender because Brian Elliott has had games where he's played really well because the defense is breaking down in front of him and he kept them in it. The Vegas game on opening night was that type of game. He played really well. The defense in front of him played like garbage. So he can have those flashes of being a good goaltender in games, but the defense has to be better in front of him. That is this big that's the team's biggest Achilles heel right now that they can fix now. There's nothing you could do about the goaltending right now. There's nobody out there, there's nobody you could bring in. They already have like seven goaltenders between the Flyers and the Phantoms. So there's nothing you could do at goaltending right now. The defense has to be better. They need to look within themselves and say, what are we doing wrong and how do we get better? It starts with Ivan Provorov. If you're saying he's a veteran on this team now, then he needs to take that initiative. I don't know who the leader of the defensemen may be. You know, they, they keep putting the A on Andrew McDonald's chest, so maybe it's him, but somebody needs to do something to get that rectified because if they're going to keep playing like they are, this team's not going to make the playoffs. And it doesn't matter how many goals that they that the offense can put up. The defense is going to lose them a playoff spot real fast if they don't get it figured out. Yeah, I mean, look, I still think this is a playoff team. Um, you know, the uh, I just think that the scoring is the least of the concerns. I mean, they're right now they're fourth in the league with 22 goals. A couple of the teams that they're tied with have played in one fewer game. But uh, but they're they're scoring goals and that like the loss against Vegas was that's gonna happen. I mean they, they ran up against a really hot goaltender and Mark Andre Fleury who just robbed them multiple times. They were robbed on three breakaways in the game. Um, but you know Vegas is is not been playing very well this year. Uh, you know Vegas is under five hundred and is uh, is a team that. You know, you would have liked to have won that game. But I just think that the uh, the goaltending is a much bigger issue. So you're saying you don't think we could trade, like, six of our goaltenders and get one? Maybe we could trade uh, Neuberth, Elliott, Lyon, Stolarz, and Calvin Pickard for Bobrovsky. Like, Columbus wouldn't do that? I, I thought that's how that worked. <laughs> no, um, I mean, yeah. And NHL, you know, 19, when you turn off, you know, when you could turn on force trade, that would work. Um, in a dream scenario, my favorite goalie in the league is still Jonathan Quick. I think he's ridiculous. The stuff that I've seen him do is incredible, but obviously we can't get him. I mean, I know you saw, you've said on Twitter a bunch of times, and I've seen you go back and forth with some people that think you're nuts, that the Flyers, it's very possible the Flyers could acquire Sergei Bobrovsky because it doesn't seem like Columbus has any interest in you know, retaining the services of Bobrovsky or Panarin. Lo and behold, we play them tomorrow night. So maybe while we're there, we just kind of, you know, you know, Hextall sends a U-Haul to both of their houses and just says, start throwing shit in there. We're going to get this deal done. And they come home with both of them. That, that would, would be, be ideal. It's yeah, not going to happen. That would be great. That would be I mean, tremendous. Yeah, right. But, I've, I've thrown that out there about Bobrovsky. I mean, it's it's something that probably would not happen until later in the year right. the the trade deadline if Columbus is maybe out of a playoff spot I heard some rumors this week that the Blues might be interested in Bobrovsky and and quite honestly the Columbus would probably be more likely to trade him to a team out of the Eastern Conference if they were going to do it but uh but you know he's a guy that I'd love to end up with 
Nashville's a team where uh, they're five and one this year. But if if they ever moved away from Pekka Rene and towards UC Soros as, as their goalie in the future, you know, Rene is going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. I find it hard to believe that Nashville's going to sign him to a long contract with Soros there, who's, who's very good and young, and they control him for a while. So he's another guy. This possibility, uh, Semyon Varlamov on Colorado is a possibility. It's if if Brian Elliott continues to struggle, then they're going to have to figure out something because I don't think that what you've seen from Pickard, I don't think he's a starting goalie. Neuberth, you know, he's always going to be injured. So I still think goaltending is the biggest question mark with this team. Um, you know, we got uh, getting to let's get to one another one of these questions here. We got a question mm-hmm. from Joe plaza at je plaza 14 he asks us it seems as though a large portion of the fan base believes that firing dave haxtell will solve the flyers problems do you believe that it will well i do not believe that that would guarantee to solve their problems because first of all you have to think about who they're going to replace dave haxtell with exactly and there's probably a uh you know 50-50 50-50 chance that if they fire Haxtell, the person that they replace him with is not a good head coach. You, you never know. So that's that would be a question mark. And the other thing is, I again, I think this team has a lot of problems. Like Firing Dave Haxtell is not going to solve the Flyers' goaltending problem. Firing Dave Haxtell is probably not going to solve the uh, the defensive problems, although hopefully you know maybe you'd get Phil Myers up here or, or something that would improve it. But I, I still think that there's there's very little chance that they're going to fire Dave Haxtell in season. I think if he gets fired, it will be because they missed the playoffs this year. He's Ron Hextall's guy. Hextall hired him out of college and signed him to a, like a five or six year deal. So I think Hextall will will stay with him as long as possible, unless something disastrous happens. Um, so. You know, I don't think he's going to get fired, and I don't think that it would immediately solve the team's problems. But hopefully at the end of the year, Hextall will kind of take stock of what happens and, and look at the situation. I wonder, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't really agree more with you. Every time, I mean, you're always going to get the people that want the coach fired, but you hit the nail on the head. Who are you bringing in? Because chances are, if you fire the head coach midseason, you're replacing him with a guy that's already on the coaching staff. So you have to look at it that way. You're bringing in a guy that's probably going to have a very similar scheme to the guy that you just fired because that's what the players that he's acquired, that he's inheriting, are comfortable with. It's not like it's not like there's a goal. It's not like there's a coach out there that is highly sought after because if there was, then he would probably already be on a team and. This also isn't a situation like a couple years ago where after three games they fired Laviolette because that's when it was the old regime and they still were trying to go for it year after year. The, the you know Ron Hextall is very clear that he's slowly progressing this thing and he's developing talent and everything like that. So it's not like they walked into this season expecting to be Stanley Cup contenders. And you're right, a lot of what the Flyers' problems are are personnel. And you can't, you know, that has nothing to do with the coach. And, yeah, to an extent, if you, br- if you brought in a new coach, maybe he sees things differently. Maybe he says to the GM, look, you, I, I can't, I need this guy, you know, like you, you mentioned Phil Myers. I need this guy Myers up here. He's better than what we have. I could work with him. I can win with this kid on my blue line. You know, maybe he moves things around. Maybe he sees, you know, certain things in players that, Dave Haxall doesn't, but you know, by and large, you're not gonna. It's not like you're gonna fire Dave Haxall and bring in uh, Scotty Bowman and and just and win a Stanley Cup instantly. That's not gonna happen. So changing the goal, changing the head coach midseason isn't gonna do this team much good. You're absolutely right. The only way he gets fired is if they miss the playoffs because Dave Ron Haxall has already said that he expects his team to take a step forward this year. Now I'm sure he'll evaluate it and see, you know, how much of it was. We if we if they miss the playoffs, I'm sure he'll look at it and say, okay, well, how much of it was player personnel? How much was it on me? And how much of it what really was on the coach? If he believes that he did all he could, if he believes that the players 
play to their potential and he just looks at it and says as the coach, then yeah, he's gone. But I think Dave Haxall has another like two years as, you know, being behind the bench for the Flyers. It makes me sick, but I, I think that's the way it is. Um, got another question here. Mike Aceto, who we've had on the show before. We have. Um, Great guy. I've met him in person. Oh, good. Yeah, I've never met him. Um, we kind of touched on this a little bit ago, but I wanted to, you know, just get his question in there and, and address it directly. He says, how would you describe this team's identity? Are they actually making progress? I mean, we've kind of, you know, we, we've, talk, we've talked about it in kind of a broad spectrum as far as, you know, the young guys might not be progressing as much as we would like them to be. I think the Flyers' team identity right now is just inconsistency. That's what we've come to know them as <laughs> when you look at them, you know, and I'll go back to these, mo- these last two games are just are, are perfect examples of that. You get shut out in a very tough game against Vegas. I mean, that was a great game being down. There was awesome. There was good action both ways. There was missed calls. Yeah. That probably would have helped the flyers, but I never leave a game or I try not to leave a game and blame the referees in a close one like that. And then, so you go from that, a tough, you know, a one-goal loss, a shutout loss, and then you go into a, just a 10-goal game last night. And so you go from a game where you play great defensively for the most part and you just run into a goalie that wasn't letting anything in no matter what you throw in them. And then of the very next game, you're letting in five goals. You're also scoring five goals and you're going to a shootout. So this, this is just an inconsistent team, and it's going to stunt the growth it's going to stunt the progress of the young players. The more inconsistent they are, the more stunted that their growth is going to be. They need to just get into a groove at some point. They need to find their game. And until they do that, we're going to see more of the same problems on a game in and game out basis. Yeah, no, exactly. We, we, you know, we talked about a little earlier that their, their identity does in fact seem to be inconsistency and you just never know what you're going to get on a daily basis with this team. And it's infuriating. Uh, I mean, I guess you do know you're going to get bad goaltending is is one of the things you're going to get, and bad penalty killing. And hopefully, you're going to get good power play. They've all, they've had a good power play, but um, but yeah, it's uh, their their identity just seems to be inconsistency from game to game. And you know, one of the things I would say is I think that it's. Jeroen and Voracek, they've had a couple really big games, and they're starting to turn it on from a stats perspective. But I did think, just from what I was reading, that early in the season, it, it seemed like those guys were kind of reading the headlines about all the Flyers' depth and assuming that, that, that guys like JVR and Patrick and Konechny and Vorobiev were going to kind of make it so that Giroux and Voracek didn't have to carry this team on a, on a day-in, day-out basis. And it doesn't look like that's the case. It looks like the Flyers need those two guys producing. So until Nolan Patrick, who by the way, is normally a slow starter. Now he's got the injury. But even back in the days when he was in the WHL, he always used to take a little while to get going, both in the regular season and the playoffs. So I, I'm, I'm confident that if he comes back healthy, that Patrick will get stronger and stronger as the season goes on. But, um, but yeah, I mean, they're hopefully they'll get those guys back and get some depth scoring so uh i do know it looks like we got uh robert wilson taking a little shot at you and then asking us some questions yeah i see that yeah that's all right you know this is actually my what first year fantasy team uh he took down your fantasy team robert wilson uh, at naa robert wilson one of our buddies yeah in the uh the getting bullied league he took down my team look in all fairness this is my first year doing fantasy okay. hockey so i expect there to be some growing pains in my rookie season he got the better of me so be it um you know it is what it is but he has a couple of questions i'll let you read them off and you know just kind of do what you want with them all right well what is daryl sutter doing nowadays <laughs> i'm guessing that uh robert is is hoping that maybe we could bring in daryl sutter unfortunately Based on an article back from back in June, Daryl Sutter has uh, retired from NHL head coaching. Yeah, so I he's saw 50, that. 59 years old, and it doesn't sound like he's going to be getting back into the coaching ranks anytime soon. Not with this, uh, this No, the second part of Robert's question is, with, with all these top draft picks and sloppy play, how short of a leash do the Three Stooges 
Fire Hackstall, Murphy, and Lappy have. And then he's got a little... By the way, Robert is the king of the GIFs. He never yeah, fails he to make me laugh with the great GIFs that he puts out there. So he's got a GIF of the Three Stooges. Uh, and... You know, we sort of just touched on it a little bit. I don't I don't think any of these guys are going to get fired during the season. I no, think that if the not. penalty kill is, again, horrible this year, I think that uh, LaPerriere will be gone at the end of the season. I don't know really have anything to say about Gordon Murphy. And Hackstall, again, if, if, if Firestone make the playoffs or if they lose like 20 games in a row in the regular season, he'll probably get canned. Yep. I, yeah, I mean, look, we could do a whole hour on the coaching staff, but – we would just go out of our minds. No one would um, want to listen to that. We'd go insane. Yep. People love talking about hating the coach, though, so we'd probably get a lot of views if we just said Fire Hackstall as a title, but we're not going to do that. Um, Something I've been thinking about the last couple days, and sometimes I think, like, maybe the Flyers could benefit from, like, a major shakeup, a major change, and I'm reading a bunch of articles, and I'm following closely the situation up in Toronto. Because they have a very promising young player, William Nylander, who's just sitting in Sweden, I believe, um, not playing for the Maple Leafs, a contract situation much like that of Le'Veon Bell in the NFL with the Steelers. Um, now, everything you're very reading is Very similar personalities, William Nylander and Le'Veon yes. Bell and William Nylander probably have a lot in common, I'm guessing. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, we should get them together. Uh, but I don't know if he's gonna want to ride jet skis down in Miami with Le'Veon Bell. Probably not. <laughs> so, I mean, everything you read says Toronto has no interest in trading him. William Nylander hasn't asked for a trade, but he's just sitting there. And you look at the situation that Toronto's running into with their contracts. They just paid John Tavares a boatload of money. They have Austin Matthews coming up for a contract next year. They have Mitch Marner coming up for a contract next year, and they also have William Nylander they have to figure out. I mean, I'll ask you, because you're, you, you're a lot more versed in the NHL contracts. First, can they, can Toronto afford all four of those players at the number that they are going to you know, expect in an open market? And number two, I think they're, I think it's not going to happen soon, but I'm thinking in the next couple of weeks, as the closer we get to November 1st, because he has till December 1st to, to sign before, you know, to make him eligible for this season. So the closer we get to November 1st, and then from then on, the, the trade talks are, if he doesn't sign, the trade talks are going to start to heat up league wide. Toronto's going to start to look like, oh, maybe we get rid of this guy, and he's going to say, maybe I should go somewhere else. I think the Flyers have the assets to get a deal done, both on the on the uh, roster currently in the Phantoms and as far as draft picks go. So question one to you, can Toronto pull off signing all four of those guys? Can they afford it and still put a competitive team together elsewhere because they have problems on the blue line themselves? And two, what would the package look like coming from the Flyers to Toronto to get William Nylander? Okay, so, yeah, the Maple Leafs certainly can afford to sign Nylander probably for what he would want to be making. John Tavares is making $11 million for the next 75 years. <laughs> Austin Matthews is going to be a restricted free agent at the end of this season. I mean, he'll probably be making 10 to $11 million. Mitch Marner is a restricted free agent at the end of this season. You got to figure he's going to be making $8 million a year. So right there, you've got $30 million tied up in three players. As a reminder, the salary cap is, uh, is what, it's about $80 million this year. It's going to, uh, it'll keep going up and up. And they can afford those guys. I mean, look, they're Morgan Riley, who's their young Shane Gossespierre type defenseman. They've got him signed for four more years, $5 million a year. So that's fine. Nikita Zaitsev, who's one of their better defensemen, they've got him signed for the next uh Five years, six years, actually, four and a half million. The one defenseman who they've got question marks at the end of the season is Jake Gardner. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent, also one of their top defensemen. He's making four million a year. I'm sure they'd love to keep him. But yeah, the bottom line is Nylander wants eight million a year. They, they could afford that if they wanted to. They've got 12 million in cap space right now, but they, they don't want to. I mean, they want to build a team with Tavares, um, Matthews, Marner, and whoever else, 
and they want to be able to also have some flexibility to add in around that. You know, um, they've got, uh, you know, their goalie signed for the next three years, Frederick Anderson, so they're fine there. But the, the, it sounds like they want to pay Nylander about $6 million a year. He wants $8 million, and they have not been willing to meet in the middle yet. I was reading some articles today over at The Athletic talking about how the likely scenario now may be a bridge deal where Nylander may sign a two- to three-year deal where at the end of the deal he will still be a restricted free agent. Um, that So that could happen. I think you're right, though. There's some rumors about maybe possible trades. The Flyers absolutely have what it takes to put together a package to get William Nylander. The cost would probably be Phil Myers is what I'm guessing. You'd probably have to give up Phil Myers and maybe a draft pick or maybe even Phil Myers straight up would get the deal done because I'm guessing that Toronto wants to pick up some young defensemen. So one of the teams I saw mentioned today was Carolina. They could trade a guy like Brett Pesci who they've got signed for the next four years at 4 million. And he's a pretty good defenseman. Maybe that would get a deal done uh, with the Maple Leafs. But to me, I don't think that Ron Hextall is going to make a deal for a guy like Nylander because the Flyers have so much forward depth, uh, both actually on the team and coming up. I mean, you've got Giroux, Voracek, Couturier all signed for the next four years. That's four forwards. You're going to have Nolan Patrick and Konechny for the foreseeable future. That's six forwards right there. Uh, you've obviously got Van Riemsdyk, who you paid a lot of money to, so that's seven forwards. Uh, you've got uh, Oscar Lindblom, who you're hoping is going to be you know, a part of the top nine moving forward for a while. And then you've got guys like Morgan Frost, Isaac Ratcliffe, Joel Farabee, Jay O'Brien, all these really talented young forwards who are going to be coming up through the system in the next few years that I, I don't think that Ron Hextall's in the market for another forward right now. I think if Hexton ends up making a trade, I think it's going to either be for a defenseman or a goaltender. So I, I don't see the Flyers as a potential trade partner for the Leafs just because I, I don't think the Flyers are going to um, want to add a forward, and I don't think they're going to want to give up a guy like Phil Myers. So, so I, I don't see Nylander coming here, but it is exciting to talk about. Um, if that's the package, and given everything you said, I, I would do that deal. And here's why. You're the uh, president of the Phil Myers fan club, and you're saying you would trade him for William Nylander? I would, and here's why. Because I think when this team becomes the contender that we expect them to be, um, look, I don't know. You mentioned all the, all the depth they have as, as far as prospects go with forwards, but to me, getting an, a guy that is already proven in the NHL that could play at this level and play at a high level is it's valuable. Um, I don't want to knock the young guys because they are still so young. Guys like Frost, Ratcliffe, Farabee, O'Brien. Um, you know, we love them all. We we love the potential of them, but you know, I, I'm at the point now where I'm tired of just like banking and hoping on potential of these guys because chances are not all of them are going to pan out the way we expect them to. And if a guy like William Nylander is sitting there and we know what he is in the NHL, we know what he could do. And if it just takes a defenseman that they can't get on the roster anyway, then I would pull the trigger there because, you know, and you even bring up Oscar Lindblom. I have you, I haven't seen enough from Oscar Lindblom to say I would rather have him over over William Nylander and what I know he is and what I know he brings to this team. So, yeah, I mean, right now the Flyers are kind of at the point where they have to just outscore teams, and William Nylander can help them do that. And I think down the road when the team starts to really contend for a cup, I think they're going to look for a stud veteran defenseman anyway, at least one to bring in on the team. So... And there's already a cluster of, you know, defensemen, and that's going to clear up once Gudis is gone and once um, McDonald is gone. But I don't want, I don't want a guy like Phil Myers to get lost in the shuffle. So if he, if I could get in a proven forward right now for a guy like Phil Myers, I would do it because I know what Nylander is. As much as I like Phil Myers, he could come up here and never pan out. As much as I love 
Morgan Frost, same thing with Frost, Ratcliffe, O'Brien, Farabee. All these guys can make it up here and just flame out. They could just not be the guy we expect them to. So I would do the move because the Flyers, they need stud players. And if not William Nylander, Artemi Panarin's going to be out there. They, you can't let these stud young players go just because you're, you know, you're sitting there on a hope and a prayer that Morgan Frost and Joel Farabee are going to be the guys that are going to come up and turn this franchise around because they're not coming up next year. At least Farabee's not. Frost might. And when he does, we have to, we're going to have to wait another year or two for him to get into his groove in the NHL. And we're just setting this thing further and further back. So I would do that deal. It would suck giving up a guy like Phil Myers, but to get something, you have to give something. And if that's the cost, I would make that move. Yeah, I just I, I wouldn't do it because I think Phil Myers' ceiling is a uh, top pair NHL defenseman. I hear what you're saying that you know he who knows if he'll ever reach that ceiling for various reasons. But I just look at the Flyers on the wings, and and I think to be effective, Nylander needs to be on the top power play. And I think he needs to be on one of the top two lines. And I just don't see uh, Drew, Voracek, uh, Konechny, or um, James Van Riemsdyk, and, or this year, Wayne Simmons, you know, not getting those minutes. So I, I think that if you're telling me that you're going to have Michael Nylander is on the second power play and is a third-line winger, um, I don't know. I just... I, with some of those guys coming up that I think you'll probably, some of those guys won't pan out, but some of them will pan out in terms of Farabee, Frost, Brian, Ratcliffe, uh, Wade Allison. So, and, and I, I think that long-term this team is, uh, is going to be better off holding on to a guy like Myers and hoping he develops into that stud defenseman. Cause he certainly looked like it in the preseason. He was one of the team's best defensemen. And uh, you know, I, I think there will be Nylanders that come along. I think it's harder to find a guy who's got Myers upside, but that's just me. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, look, I don't, I don't expect Rod Hexall to make a move like that because that's really going up, really going against everything that he's preached since he took over uh, as general manager. But I mean, for what it's worth, I would do it. I don't know what everyone else would do. Obviously, you're against it. It's not going to get done, but you know, it's it's a fun conversation to have. It's fun things to think about. Uh, realistically, and we've already really said it, any move that's probably going to come isn't going to happen until the deadline where they know where they're at, the rest of the league knows where it's at, and you know they'll have a better idea what they want to do with really the, the biggest thing, their biggest trade chip more than likely at the deadline, and they'll evaluate it when the time comes. It's probably going to be Wayne Simmons. Do they want to sign him? What's he going to want? number wise and do they want to give that to him and can if they're if the flyers aren't contenders is there a contender that would take him for you know whatever so that's that's the most interesting thing that we'll keep going back to as the year goes on uh what the flyers are going to do with wayne simmons and it's all going to depend on how he plays so far so good for him look he's on the team now he's playing well that's all i could ask for just hopefully everybody else can step up around him and uh you know this team can finally finally find an identity because you know right now the inconsistent one isn't the best one to have in any league but especially the nhl so i don't know we'll see at least um you know at least we'll have this to uh to vent our frustrations and our emotions back and forth now that's right yeah i'm actually gonna put a poll up about uh if, if people would trade meyer straight up for nylander there you go that's nice i'm sure everyone will love that yeah. Well, well, I think we've uh, I think we've bored the people enough for this. We did good, nice jam-packed hour of uh, Flyers talk. This was therapeutic for me. That you level me out. I came in, you know, all day. I really was all day in a rut, just in in, in a terrible funk because you don't ever want to feel like that after a victory, but it's hard to get excited about a victory like that. And then you compile what the Sixers did last night. I was, I felt terrible. I was just pissed off all day and this was therapeutic. It, it, you know, it, it, it I, sh I should have listened to the ex-girlfriend when she said it helps to talk because it, uh, it did. It helped me to talk to you today and everybody else. And I thank you therapist, Dan Silver. It, 
it does. It's funny. My father is actually a psychiatrist, and so he uh, he he makes money listening to people's problems. So if you want to send me like a check or anything, Mark, I'll <laughs> I'll give you my address, and uh, you know, probably two hundred seventy five dollars an hour sounds sounds good to me. Yeah, it must be must be nice. <laughs> I'm sure that was fun growing up with a therapist for a father. Was he always analyzing you? He was not actually. It was none of those old cliches about uh, you know having a psychiatrist for a father really panned out. He was about as 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 good a dad as I could have ever hoped for. Let me let me find my own way. He's he's like the anti Dave Haxtell when it comes to uh, father. Yeah, I I can't imagine. I don't want to. I don't want to knock Dave Haxtell as a parent because I don't know what he's like. But we'll leave it at that. So um, we'll we'll give our shameless plugs as we always do. Um, you are a great follow on Twitter. A lot of information. Where can people follow you on Twitter? So they can follow me on Twitter at dsilver88. That's uh, at dsilver88. The 88, of course, for Eric Lindros, one of my favorite all-time flyers. And uh, you can take a look at uh, my articles along with everyone on our great team over at Philly is Flyer, and that's at uh, www.phillyisflyer.com. Lots of great content. We've got... Uh, Dan, the Flyer fan, not me, but our other Dan, and also uh, Becky, who's uh, been a great addition and, and writing some post-game recaps. So those two are doing recaps for every game. Go check them out. Lots of uh, good good content. All right. <laughs> Early returns on the poll. Um, We've gotten a lot, a lot of votes on the poll. I put it up like uh, five minutes ago. We've yeah, like okay. 20, 20 questions. Early returns on the poll, the question. Uh, would you trade Phil Meyer straight up for William Nylander? 75% say yes, I would do it. 75% of people agree with me, Dan Silver. Take that All to right, bed well, with you. I'm keeping Phil Myers. That's going to give you nightmares tonight knowing that 75% of people agree with me. But that's okay. Um, so, yeah, as for me, you can follow me on Twitter at markflagman 2 ends. You can follow this show at underscore getting bullied. Vote on that poll if uh, if you haven't already when you listen to this. And uh, we will we'll do this again probably next week. Hopefully it's a better week of Flyers hockey. But until then, let's go Flyers and enjoy your week.